Hello and welcome to Econoday Unplugged on Tuesday, the 24th of March 2020. Mark Pender is on US East Coast and I'm Jeremy Hawkins here in London. So as the efforts to contain the coronavirus become both more widespread and draconian, there's a couple of things the markets taught us last week about what happens when the chips are really down. Firstly, the dollar is still king. And secondly, as liquid as they might be, even government bonds can't always be trusted during a flight to safety. So where do we stand now? Well, at least 68 central banks have cut rates and an increasing number have turned on the quantitative easing taps, some about as far as they'll go. Collectively and crucially, uh, as the demand for the currency took off last week, some have also provided a much needed boost to dollar liquidity through expanded swap lines. On the fiscal front, many governments have similarly set in train aggressive stimulus packages. Importantly, within this latter camp, US Congress has yet to agree on a suite of measures worth around $2 trillion. But from the way equities were performing as we record this podcast, hopes would seem to be high for some good news soon. In terms of the data, we're now starting to get some surveys of what's been happening to business activity this month, and they don't look pretty. So, Mark, let's start on your side. Um, the okay. Fed's been super busy over the last few days. What's yeah. the takeaway from this little lot? What's going on with the government stimulus package? And just how bad are the numbers? The numbers aren't as bad uh, as you might guess. Uh Stimulus is unfolding as quickly as it can, uh, especially on the Fed side uh, or entirely on the Fed side. Uh, they are pulling out all the stops, uh, offering backstops to cons- uh, loan backstops uh, to consumers as well as businesses, uh, putting rates uh, at uh, offering their 0.25 discount rate to virtually everyone. Um, and uh, unlimited quantitative easing, the, the works. Um, the government is still negotiating. On, on that little lot, did it? Was it a unanimous vote to get lot that lot through? Were there any yes, problems it was. With it? It no, was, there yeah. was. Yeah, no, it went it went right through. Uh, and the numbers have not been that uh, devastatingly bad. We had the manufacturing uh, PMI today came in at forty nine point two. That's not bad at all. That's almost like a normal number. Yeah. And um, but uh, services are way uh, down into the thirties. So it seems to be centered in the th- in the services sector. The um, the virus hits, and you saw that also in Europe. We had the the whole round of the PMIs coming through Europe. Uh, I'll let you get to, to that in a minute. But let me just first talk about the Richmond Fed. Now this is a regional report. It came out of uh, uh, this morning as well, and it was a plus two, and and for this number to be a plus two is extraordinary. So they're not they actually rose in the month. So what's Why? going on in manufacturing? Why? Well, what made it go up? Well, you know, delivery times are a positive oh. in these composites. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Let me just check the Richmond. Hang on. I'm not sure what to back. Uh, let me just backtrack on that one second here as I check Richmond. Um, for instance, well, today's PMI for market uh, economics, uh, they throw in, uh, I, apparently they made the note 
that uh, the, the delivery time skewed the numbers higher. So what that means is uh, delivery times in a, in a normal economic situation, when they lengthen, that's a sign of, of congestion in the supply chain and, and a sign of demand. But it could not, it may not be a sign of demand at all. In this case, it could be dislocations tied to uh, shortages uh, having, having nothing to do with demand or, or, uh, or deliveries having to do with the virus. Um, so that is one effect. Well, let me just see. Uh, no, uh, the Richmond Fed is a composite of new order shipments and employment. Now, employment did fall very sharply in all these reports, by the way. So there is your indication. And let me just go right to where, what we're looking at here on Thursday with jobless claims. Uh, the uh, market news, cons- I mean the market news, the Econoday consensus here is about 800,000 for uh, for um, initial claims. Initial claims had been at 200,000 going into this, a 50-year low, at a time when the labor market was twice the size as it was 50 years ago. So this would be a shocking number. And, and, and the things that we do, this economic news, this economic data, it's going to be mirroring something that's going on with the with the medical data. It's been spiking, uh, of course, with these uh, virus uh, uh, situations. Well, economic data is going to be spiking as well, or dipping, or or uh, it'll be challenging our database as an aside, um, how to put some of these numbers in. We have to consider these things because these are going to be extraordinary numbers. It's going to hit with the jobless claim. So, whether or not manufacturing is still on its feet despite all the restrictions. Um, and uh, that's that's a curious possibility, um, but at the same time, employment does look like it's going to be tanking. So, uh, with that, let me pass it back on to you. Okay, let me just ask you just a quick one before I say okay. go through the doom and gloom that is Europe. I okay. noticed there was some, well, I mean, fairly horrendous forecasts coming out last week. Um, was it Goldman Sachs were talking about the US economy shrinking by 24% in the second quarter. Morgan Stanley at over 30%. And even James Bullard from the uh, what, St. Louis um, Regional Fed talking about a potential downturn as much as 50%. 50% yeah. um, do these numbers seem plausible or is it just sort of sticking a finger? Finger in the air and seeing what you find. I think it's sticking a finger in the air. And in any case, even if they are plausible, they'll be reversed. If, if the Goldman Sachs, I believe, the annual uh, 2020 overall, they were looking at a one percent contraction. I think something like that. Okay. Small, a small contraction. So whatever movement we're going to get, I guess we'll see it in the first quarter. It looks like more March is going to be taking a hit. Um, and then the second quarter, it, it looks like it could be um, in jeopardy, of course. But then it will probably get a third quarter snapback. And the same thing for the markets. It's, um, you know, however bad the, these moments are, these everything will very likely or, or hopefully will reverse. And um, we'll all remember this as some kind of, you know, uh, an extraordinary time, but hopefully a very brief time. Well, here's hoping so, because uh, certainly following from your side, I mean, Europe is definitely underperforming as we speak. So just to put a a few numbers on it, uh, we had our um, preliminary or flash purchasing managers reports for March out this morning. Now, in terms of a headline number, so the composite output index, so if you like the the PMI's proxy for GDP, for Eurozone as a whole, it fell 20 points down to 31.4. Now, that was both the steepest decline on record and also a new record 
record low. Now, interestingly, and mirroring what you seem to be suggesting from your side, manufacturing, which has been you know, the real problem area for the Eurozone for quite a while now, courtesy of Germany, that held up quite well. I mean, 44.8 is still pretty well in recession territory, but it was um, you know, probably a little bit stronger than expected and clearly significantly better than, uh, than the services index. Now, services themselves, well, it really is. It's enough to make you cry. Uh, the sub-index there weighed in at 28.4. So that was down 24.2 points from the final February reading. And again, that's a record low. It's the steepest decline we've ever seen. And just to really rub salt into the wound um, from what the PMI survey found, it suggests that the rest of the eurozone, you know, so the smaller countries, actually performed even worse than what the headline figures were coming out the major countries. So, I mean, it's strictly speaking, it suggests that Eurozone quarterly growth is running at about minus 2%, so quarter on quarter. If we go back to the last time we saw PMIs anywhere around these sort of levels, so back to the 2008-2009 global financial crisis, uh, the worst decline for Eurozone GDP then was 3.1% in the first quarter of 2009. So really, if these figures hold on to record lows, we should Mm -hmm. be looking for a decline in GDP something steeper than that. I have a, a note here, an aside. There was something out of Europe that you covered that I think it was out of Europe that cited a um, small sample size because of the virus. Does that ring a bell? Yes, indeed. That refers to the consumer confidence indices we had, at least the flash consumer confidence index, I should say, we had out of the Eurozone what, on oh, Monday. That was yesterday, yeah. That now, was yesterday. Yeah, the, the market didn't. The market economics didn't, and nothing I have read in the reports that have been coming out have been citing um, uh, weak uh, sample sizes. Now these are private. The ones we've been citing are private institutions, and they sell their data. And I don't want to corrupt. You know, I don't want to suggest that you know, uh, you know, maintaining their business can be. Uh, you know, can come at the expense of the integrity of their numbers, but they, I didn't see a warning on, on the U.S. one, um, and I haven't seen a warning on any of them, actually, but, it, the, 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 but the consumer confidence flash, that's produced by the European, the, uh, it's, the an European organi- yeah. it's an official organization, and they might be more careful to tell us it was a very small fraction. It was like 15% response. Uh, yep, that's right. Like- it's very low, yeah. So we have to be careful with some of uh, jumping to too much of the uh, conclusions with some of this data, don't you think? I do. I think it's perfectly safe that at the end of the day, someone has to fill these surveys in. And it may well be the case that the people simply aren't around to fill them, you know, to fill the surveys in the first place because they're self-quarantining, they're at home, and whatever it may be. So mm-hmm. I think it's certainly fair to say that, you know, the sample sizes are necessarily going to decline. And so around that, there has to be you know, an increasing amount of uncertainty. And also, I also think when you get to periods in economic cycles when you get a very rapid rate of change in growth or inflation wherever it may be you're looking at you tend to get a lot more what they call white statistical noise in the underlying data set in the first place which makes mm-hmm. it that much harder to interpret mm-hmm. but i guess we've got to say i mean whether you can actually take these pmi numbers at face value or not uh just from the, the way they're moving at the moment it, it certainly seems pretty apparent that mm-hmm. we're going to see a large number of countries falling into some kind of recession uh, mm-hmm. over the course of the next few months. Mm-hmm. Basically, um, so, these, gra- yeah. these graphs are just falling off a cliff, you know. And, and yeah, they, just they do. Like, you know. 
They look horrible. So I should also quickly mention um, the UK as well. We had the UK PMI out this morning just to finish off the European set. That came in, where are we, at 37.1 for the composite output index for the United Kingdom. And that, again, is an all-time record low. That undershoots the uh, the previous low we had during the global financial um, crisis. And again, it's a similar story again with manufacturing, which is actually 48.0, which, let's be honest, is a pretty respectable score at the moment. Um, so the, the decline really down to services which was was 53.2 in february and came in at just 35.7 in the preliminary data for march mm-hmm. and um i guess while we're on the uk i'll just quickly round off some things going on in terms of a, sort of the central bank activity here because we have a bank of england meeting coming up on thursday does it actually matter well quite possibly not because these meetings seem to be taking place almost every other day at the moment but as a result of uh, recent days activities from the uh, the old lady with thread Needle Street. Um, we've already seen a number of intermeeting interest rate cuts, which in a nutshell have reduced UK bank rate down to a, an all-time record low of just 0.1%. And we've also seen for the first time since, what, August 2016, an increase in the quantitative easing ceiling. So that used to be six, uh, sorry, $435 billion for gilts and $10 billion for corporate bonds. So um, that's been increased by a total of $200 billion, up to a combined total now of $645 billion. And indeed, we've had um, the new Bank of England governor, Andrew Bailey, suggesting if it takes more than that, they're happy to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of smacks of going down the same route as the Fed, doesn't it? Where it just turn Well, the everyone's printing money as fast as they can. And does yeah. this undermine the long-term um, confidence in uh, the, uh, our banking system? Uh, I guess they really have no alternative. They're almost obliged to, uh, you know, to... to, right. to to try to reverse the financial collapse. Uh, so, um, but it would be interesting. I'm sure that they will then want to begin to withdraw all this stimulus, and um, especially in the QE side, unlimited QE, and and it's and it very well may bleed into the stock market, which and just no holds barred. The Fed will print money to buy uh, S and P uh, 500. You know, it hasn't come to that, but that, going to be interesting. Be, yeah. And, uh, it's also it, interesting. So sorry, I think also interesting. What it, what it does with the dollar. And one thing which was you know, blatantly apparent last week was that we saw an extremely strong dollar. As you saw this, you know, basically everyone was un, you know, offloading any asset they could find in order to buy dollar cash. Um, mm-hmm. So I think you know, one of the most significant moves last week was when we saw the you know, the increase in the swap arrangements between the US Fed and well, a number of the big uh, European central banks and that being expanded to the likes of what, mm-hmm. you know, Mexico and, and, and so on and so forth. Because we simply needed an increase in supply of dollars given the you know the outstanding demand available at the time uh-huh. so you know again it's going to be interesting as and when we get beyond that stage and all of a sudden this huge demand for dollars isn't there and mm-hmm. we've got the increased dollar supply into the market courtesy of what all these swap lines that you know the unlimited quantitative easing you know mm-hmm. there could be a time then the dollar could come in for a period of perhaps you know real weakness yeah yeah um what else have we got? I suppose something we haven't touched on a little bit and probably don't need to really, but I think I should mention it anyway. And that's good old Brexit because, of course, we're supposed to be having these key post-Brexit trade negotiations between the UK and the European Union taking place at the moment with a view, according to Prime Minister Boris Johnson over here, if nothing's been achieved or clear indications that something will be achieved by June, then he's happy to walk away without any kind of deal whatsoever. Well, I mean, to be honest, were he to even consider that in the current context, 
context of this coronavirus, I think it'd be an absolute disaster. But interestingly, we now have a position whereby by, whereby both um, David Frost, who's head of the UK negotiating team, and Michel Barnier, who heads up the, the European negotiating team, are self-quarantining uh, with the coronavirus, which means, of course, how much further can these talks actually go in the first place? Mm. So it may, may well be that you know, once we get beyond June, these talks of all, all torn intentness has come to a stall. Mm. So Brexit... Yeah, or at least the, the Brexit or post-Brexit transition period might actually have to be delayed. Mm-hmm. Um, I must ask, Chris, going back, looking at somebody talked about monetary policy side, fiscal mm-hmm. stimuluses, and there's things that, um, it's difficult always trying to get hold of you know, the precise numbers on this. But if we take a look at what what I've seen from some of the, you know, the, the, the promises being made by a number of European governments at the moment, we've got potential packages, fiscal packages out of Spain, more than 15% of GDP, mm. the UK 15%. Germany, we're still waiting for some of this to be confirmed. It could be slightly more than 15%. So, you know, they really are throwing the old kitchen sink at this. So I've got to go back. I think one reason why, as we speak, this is like, what the S&P 500 is up well over 6%. And it does seem a lot to do with this idea now that these governments are starting to cooperate and coordinate at least a mm-hmm. little bit more. But crucially, when do you think, indeed, mm-hmm. I hope it does do, this US package will go through? Because without that, I think you know things could well turn down south quickly again. Well, if the market is, you know, we're up almost uh, in the mid single digits today in the stock market, maybe we it can recover before <laughs> Washington ever gets around to uh, getting its act together. I I I have no idea when a, a resolution can be made and some kind of a package can be put together. Certainly, uh, Jerome Powell, when he had his press conference when the uh, last week when the Fed cut an emergency hundred points, was very concerned about um, uh, the fiscal response coming out of Washington. And I, you can understand that. Now it's been more than a week and nothing has happened. So, um, I, but hopefully the markets will recover uh, in any case uh, from underneath it. It's hard to say. Um, but I think yeah. with everybody else, with everybody else pitching in as they are across the, the developed economies that, um, you know, maybe two trillion here, two trillion there uh, may not make that much of a difference. <laughs> nice idea. Although I do think personally, I think you know, if we don't see the US do something. I've, I've got this sense that market's going to start going down again. You know, they've seen Europe come out now with some uh-huh. fairly big guns. Uh-huh. Um, they've seen Japan doing it you know, outside uh-huh. of Eurozone, the UK. Uh-huh. I think they really want to see this, you know, uh-huh. all the big global size just throw what they've got at this economy to when, turn it around again. When, it, when initial claims come out on Thursday morning, if they do come around the million mark, there will definitely be a push in Washington. I think that that will uh, be a, an Gosh, economic headline that's going to you know, move out from the business pages into everyone's, uh, uh, you know. What do we have as a consensus on that? On the it claims? was, let me see, well, we update our consensus as um, the forecasters uh, change, uh, update their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have it at 787 Point five thousand. That's would be about three times, uh, not quite three times of what it was last week, which itself uh, was very high, uh, uh, picking up a, an initial spike uh, from the virus effects earlier in the month. Um, and then, of course, what this is, and that, by the way, was already the 
it, March employment report is already in the can. I mean, it was already sampled. Uh -huh. And uh, so all these effects later in the month are not going to be reflected in that report. But there was still a lot of layoffs happening uh, at mid-month when, uh, when that was sampled. So uh, however bad March is, the employment report, it probably isn't going to tell the whole story. And um, so I think when, to your question about you know, uh, you know, moving the logjam in Washington, I think that if that doesn't do it, it nothing will. Well, let's hope they do. Um, otherwise, I think it could all get very messy again. As you mentioned, in terms of, of course, we have seen across so many countries uh, the coronavirus, um, you know, the, the compliance measures trying to restrict its spread have got tighter and tighter and tighter. In the UK, for example, we had the lockdown essentially being introduced as of yesterday. So the numbers which we saw coming out in from these PMIs in March uh, reflected a much looser situation where it was mm -hmm. easier just simply to get to work and, you know, and do to do things so the april numbers and the surveys i suspect are going to be really horrible mm. okay um anything else anything else running else? well i guess the do we were talking about the dollar earlier and i just wanted to note that it the spike in the dollar seemed to come at the same time when the uh, demand for u.s treasuries started to crack which was kind of a surprise to everyone because that was the safe haven avenue and then when that seemed to um you know dislocate um, the do people just wanted cash, you know, cash yeah. is king and not even bonds anymore or treasuries. Uh, and so that was uh, uh, just, uh, I, I wanted to throw that in. No, I think that's right. And I said, it's very much when you get to the stage whereby U.S. Treasury is no longer regarded as being, if you like, a safe uh -huh. haven instrument. It really tells you about something about investor sentiment, doesn't it? Well, if there's nothing safe with the U.S. Treasuries, there's, there's no, nowhere to go. I mean, you Indeed. know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, right, and let's um, call it a day for this week. So it may be early days, but notwithstanding what seems certain to be a string of awful numbers over the next couple of months or so, markets do seem to be at least doing a bit of bottom fishing at the moment. So let's hope so, because we do need some good news. Meantime, as always, keep an eye on Econoday's global economic calendar, updated 24 hours a day. On behalf of Mark and myself, thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll be back next week. Bye for now.